Hello, and welcome to A Call for Love. I believe the most powerful gift you can offer yourself is to give and receive love more freely. I'm your host, Linda Orsini, meditation guide and spiritual coach. Everyone has the desire to be seen, heard, respected, and loved. The journey to becoming more connected to your greater purpose lies within the ability to live from the deep source of love within you. Let's begin. Welcome to Dr. Ann Katona Lynn, and she's here, and I'm going to find, you are going to find this very interesting, A Call for Love listeners, because I am. She's an educational psychologist, and after myself being in the education field for over 30 years, I know that we're going to dive into so many great topics. Her main goal and direction in life is a consultant coach author, and speaker, empowering community leaders to build safe, supportive schools. Wow, we all want that, don't we? And through authentic engagement, she helps communities unite to prevent problem behaviors, crises, and improve school cultures. She's the author of the book, Shedding Lies, sharing her journey overcoming childhood traumas And not only has she overcome these childhood traumas, but she's an advocate for all youth, adults with mental health and substance use disorders. So you come with such a wealth of information. I can't wait to begin this conversation and really hear about your journey and about the message behind Shedding Lies. Thanks so much for having me, Linda. I'm excited to be here too. So just to kind of, again, So many times, a lot of us have stories that lead us into the work that we do. So in my previous life, I was a special education teacher and a board certified behavior analyst. And I've worked with mostly with kids with autism and kids with behavior problems. And I really got into that field because I was trying to figure myself out, not specifically into the autism, but just I had some of my own things that happened that made me think that there was something wrong with me. And so that's kind of why I got into the field. And that's where my book and my work comes from. So I'll kind of share a little bit of that. So I am the youngest of seven, good old Catholic family, big Catholic family. I, my parents were really kind of done when they, they had me, they had six kids in eight years and I'm eight years younger than the youngest. And they were busy at the time. You know, my mom was working full-time. My dad was working full-time. My older siblings were watching me and they didn't really You know, I can only imagine that a teenager watching an infant would be not the most fun thing to be doing. You know, they had to kind of rotate around with me and I didn't really have a heavy bond with any one of them, though uh, I definitely had good relationships with all of them. And when I was four years old, we were getting ready to go to my, uh, see my sister in nursing school, dropping something off for her in a car. And I'm 57 years old now, I'm aging myself. And This is 53 years ago that I remember everything in in detail. So we're in the car, garbage truck, lost stuff on the side of the road. You know, at the time we didn't have car seats. We didn't have, we didn't have seatbelts in cars. We had bench seats and it was really, you know, we didn't have all those safety things that we have in place now. Again, I remember this, there was a thunderstorm. I was afraid I went and sat on my mom's lap and there was a lot of traffic. 
we ended up hitting into the back of a car in front of us. I went face first through the windshield. So I had lots of scars all over my face, pretty extensive, 77 stitches. Um, I remember them taking me to the hospital, pulling my family away. And then I was in the hospital for a week. They were only allowed to visit during visiting hours. And that was two hours a day. And they would distract us with this little red wagon. So they, they further traumatized us in the hospital. And then when I got home, we didn't talk about things. We just kind of like, okay, if there's nothing outwardly that we're seeing, let's ignore it and it'll be fine. Probably nothing's, you know, everything's going to be fine. We think of kids as, yes, they're resilient. And also we have to remember though, that our bodies and our brains actually store trauma if it's not released, if it's not processed. So for me, I ended up with full-blown PTSD and thunderstorms and riding in a car that I didn't feel it was, you know, whoever the person was driving, if I didn't feel safe with them, those were some of my triggers. And so I put on a lot of kind of brave faces and I was always trying to prove myself because I felt like something was wrong with me. So I spent a good part of my childhood and adulthood trying to prove myself, which is, you know, again, I've, I've got all these degrees and always learning, though luckily I benefited from all of those things. I started drinking around the age of 14 and it was very socially acceptable. So I didn't think, you know, anything. And the panic attacks that I was having previously stopped. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm getting over this PTSD thing. And I knew that's what it was. Even though it was 19 in the 80s that they didn't really talk about PTSD with people other than war veterans. So this was kind of early on. So great, living my life. I was the secretary of the class. I was involved in student council. I you know, was smart academically, dated the captain of the football team, princess of the prompt, like all of these kind of things. And I, yet I was suffering inside that nobody really saw. And I didn't know it at the time either. That's the thing. I thought I'm fine. Then in my early twenties, um, you know, I really had, I was lacking self-esteem. I didn't, I wasn't in great relationships or I didn't know how to really have boundaries for myself to be able to take care of myself and make sure that I was looking out for my own best interest. I didn't know how to do that. So in my early twenties, I was sexually assaulted by a guy that I'd previously dated. And the only reason I, you know, again, that time date rape, wasn't really something that we talked about a little bit, but again, not much, you know, we're still in this me too movement, you know, where now things are just coming out uh, and it's still a struggle. And so at that time I went to counseling afterwards, he broke in, not broke into my apartment. He came to my apartment and I was sleeping. So that was kind of like, and I kept saying, no, no. And you know, that uh, it hit me like two days later, like, oh my goodness, I was raped. It, it literally just kind of, I had, I was triggered. I went to counseling and I said, you know, I, I had PTSD when I was a kid, but I got over it. You know, it's like no big deal. Well, it continued, you know, again, I just was not in good relationships and, um, you know, just didn't pick guys that were really good for me. And then in my early thirties, I decided to make some changes with my life, went to a singles retreat and really had kind of a spiritual awakening and, you know, decided I was going to make some other changes, became celibate again. And, um, I actually stopped drinking to kind of see out of curiosity how I would do. And I started having panic attacks again. And I was like, what the heck is this? And so 
God clearly said to me, he's like, you've tried to do this on your own. Now it's time to heal with my help and professional help. So this was a time in my career that I was actually getting my mat. I was working with kids with behavior problems and I loved working with them and I was naturally good at it. So I was pursuing my master's. So everything was all coming together. And my master's was in special education and it was a very behavioral based program. And I just, I loved it. I was naturally good at it. So I gravitated towards that. And, um, you know, at the same time, the parallel was that my life, I was going through therapy and I got on medication and got some diagnoses of anxiety at the time. I was later diagnosed with PTSD, ADHD, social anxiety, and generalized anxiety, and also two autoimmune diseases. So all these things kind of happened at the same time, though it was kind of perfect timing because I was getting stronger to be able to deal with them. And I wasn't looking at myself like there's something wrong with me. It was the shift to what happened to me. So that then led me into the career path that I've been doing the last really 20 years. You know, I, I taught and then because I was, you know, I was kind of just naturally good in many of the things. And actually I had bosses were asking me to do trainings. I ended up starting to do training and coaching and loved that because I saw that so many of the adults really didn't have a whole lot of the skills and that I wanted to help them. If I was going to help the kids be more successful, the kids like me, I needed to help the adults because they often, you know, we often get into the field because we've had our own stories. So that's kind of what led me to where I am, which is like I said, what I've been doing the last 20 years. That is some story. I feel like it's a journey and, you know, although it's not something that we want, but there's always a gift in the crisis mm -hmm. and I can really relate to how the, your trauma is just another nail in the fence, right? It's just another thing that you had to overcome. Yeah. Yep. Adverse childhood experiences. I actually had a rheumatology appointment this morning and I gave my book to my doctor and we were talking about it and she still, she knows a little bit about it, but so many doctors don't have any idea what at childhood adversity does to our physical bodies. You know, it puts us at risk of so many health issues. So, you know, I'm like, I'll give my doctor's books because I'm like, here, you need to learn this. And I talk about it and I'm like, go, you know, Nadine Burke Harris does a great video. Um, so I'm like, go ahead and, you know, do that. Uh, go watch it. She talks about child um, adverse childhood experiences, a study that was done in 1998 really kind of helped me connect the dots. So it was, again, all of this, it was like perfect timing for me to take this information and run with it. And I've been able to do that. So I have a question for you. You know, sure. as you're saying this, are all autoimmune diseases a result from post-traumatic stress disorder from childhood? No. So autoimmune diseases have a genetic factor and they're often triggered by an um, environmental, some, some kind of environmental trigger. Trauma can be a trigger for the genetic, you have the genetics. So you already have the genetic markers mm. and a trauma can trigger it. So this is a lot of people talk about 
like vaccines, there could be, it's not the vaccine itself, the person could have an allergy to maybe a preservative in the vaccine that may trigger something. Um, but, you know, again, it's not that that's causing it. It's just that all of us are different. So all of us have different triggers and trauma, you know, it depends on the nature of the trauma, the severity, you know, but there's no right or wrong to say, well, this is, this is what should, should be a trigger. That's nothing. Why was that a trigger for you? Trauma is very personal. We all have our own experiences and our traumas are our traumas. So Yeah, and there's big and small traumas, but if we don't move through the experience, then they're held in our body no matter the size, right? Exactly. And, and when you're a little child, because as I as I told you, as a school teacher, you know, like a, I would see a child in the hall just sobbing, just mm -hmm. sobbing their little heart out from something. That yeah. and we cannot judge as adults the trauma it is for that child. For them, it is their world. And I always really honored the the little kids feeling, even if they're a little child, they're there's still a soul in this little body. Yeah. And they were moving through a very hard experience. And if they couldn't, then it would get stuck and hence trauma. Mm -hmm. And then of course it's big or little. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's very fascinating. And I think that the work with, you know, children and the youth is so prevalent now because they are going to be the adults of the future. And of oh. course, we love them and we want to do the best we can. But it, that's really fascinating about how autoimmune disease actually comes into being. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, again, I know for me, I really have had to educate myself and, and become an advocate for myself because a lot of times, you know, again, doctors are not trained in a lot of these things. Like I said, all my doctors now, very good doctors. They just don't have, they don't get the training. They don't get the, you know, they don't have that understanding. And to me, you know, we need to be educating doctors. We need to be educating everyone about what trauma is and how it impacts us and how it impacts larger societies. Because, you know, like during COVID, I just kept on, you know, and everything that's happened, you know, with George Floyd and everything and, you know, people just getting angry. And I said, I kept saying to my husband, I'm like, everybody's responding out of their own trauma, just left mm -hmm. and right, you know, and they're not recognizing it. So they're just reacting. Whereas if we actually pause and stop and kind of understand ourselves we're actually going to be more understanding of other people but we can't we can only put you know we can only change our own behavior and we have to kind of put our own oxygen masks first so that we could make sure we're able to take care of ourselves and then we can do something to help others i know what you're saying and it's very very challenging i believe that we can have kind of three traumas, ancestral, past lifetimes, and childhood. For me, this is what resonates. And sometimes a pain point that comes in me, I some I know it's not even from this lifetime, yeah. but I just really need to hold space for it mm -hmm. and move through that energy. That's why somatic work and yoga for me has been so healing because I move it through my body in and out. But can you suggest to... Those of us 
a call for love listeners are adults, how they can move through their process first, the oxygen mask, in order to help their children, their grandchildren, their nieces and nephews. So how we can move through this cycle to stop perpetuating trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy you brought up the word, you know, somatic work. That's a big piece of what I've done over the years. I've done a variety of things, really connecting the brain, um, you know, the, the mind, soul, body, heart, everything that we connect it all and very holistic somatic work is huge because what happens in trauma is that we disconnect from our bodies. So somatic works helps to bring us back to being in our bodies, experiencing our bodies and the senses around us. We get an autopilot and, and trauma does you disconnect, you know, you kind of almost put yourself in silos and you're not even aware of how you're reacting. So we may see people who've been through trauma where anger is more comfortable for them. So they'd rather express anger towards others or even themselves. And yet it's, everyone's like, what is going on? We have no idea what's going on. But when we recognize that trauma is not what happened to us, it's what's, it's not what's wrong with us. It's what happened to us. It makes it easier for us to understand why we do some of the things and give ourselves grace So that's kind of, we have to forgive ourselves. One of the things that I do in the book is I I do kind of a shifting from a fixed mindset to a a growth mindset. And I do a strategy that it's, I I say, I forgive myself for buying into the lie, you know, whatever the lie was for that chapter. And so one being, I'm not worthy. The truth is my family loved me. I was worthy to fight for. My family was going by the, the hospital policy And they didn't even know that they should have fought or, you know, that's, that just wasn't what we did. And so, you know, again, I can't blame them. It's just that I have to recognize I, it, it helps me to have empathy for them. So that's kind of one of the, the, the first things is recognizing that we have been through trauma and that, you know, that, but that may not happen right away. We can't have empathy for others until we can really have empathy for ourselves and forgive ourselves for everything that we've been through and recognizing it's not about what's wrong with us, but what happened to us. And then the other piece is that, you know, again, for families, uh, in our family, we've had a lot of, and well, and speaking of families, and you kind of talked about the past lives and trauma gets transferred through our genetics. So we may have our ancestors have had trauma. And if that is not released or processed, it can then be stored in us. So Holocaust is an example. They um, have showed research where they had symptoms of PTSD and experiencing the Holocaust, but they never actually experienced their grandkids of people who were in the Holocaust. So there's lots of research around it. And that we have to make sure that no matter what, we're creating safe spaces for people, just letting people know that they're safe. And, you know, again, the first thing is that we have to do that for ourselves because no matter, you know, the adults can be all really, we have lots of good intentions, but unless we're able to manage our own emotions, we're not going to be able to help our kids. So adult recognizing our emotions, giving ourselves grace, learning how to, you know, calm ourselves and calm our nervous systems. Somatic works help with calming your nervous system so that you can then 
respond rather than react to a situation. I feel like there's two layers here. I feel through my work with young children, I know that, you know, the formative years up to seven years old, they take everything as the truth, as reality, when it, they don't have the the mindful thought to know that it's circumstances. So as you said, when your parents didn't visit you, you weren't able to distinguish that there were hospital rules. You took it as the truth. Abandoned. No one came to visit me. I'm not loved. I'm not cared for. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. And we all have that because it's impossible to live through the life without making those mistakes as an adult. I mean, I just think as a parent, as a teacher, uh, in any case, so those are probably things that are going to happen with us. So we have this childhood trauma that we really can't avoid in one way or another. And then to know that to move through it, I like, like Michael Singer says, it's like a thorn in our side. We put this little bubble around it to protect it, but to feel it, to be with it takes so much courage, so much courage. That help too. Yes. You need help. That's right. Of course, because you have to feel safe. Yep. And sometimes you have to do those baby steps, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And have somebody else who is kind of, again, that professional to guide you along the way as well, like to let you know, this is what happened to you, or this is normal. You're, you're responding in a way that is expected. You know, we don't always know that. So what would be your suggestion to help people move through life trauma, past life, and ancestral? Like there's so many traumas. So maybe just in the simplest, most precise essence that you can share. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, that it's that shift of the mindset from what's wrong with me to what happened to me. Mm. Like that's the first thing because that mindset then opened me up to feeling safe to then talk to somebody, you know? And so getting professional counseling and, and I recommend identify somebody who is kind of has expertise in trauma and if you don't feel comfortable with people, look for someone else, find somebody else. There's a lot more um, access virtually that I think is really powerful. So find somebody and identify your support system. Who are the people that you feel safe talking to outside of counseling, you know, and, and figure out what you need to make sure that you feel safe. But that's, that's kind of the core is that you have to feel safe, number one, before anything else can happen. Absolutely. Yourself. So, yeah. Absolutely. I I love this. What is wrong with me to what, what happened to me? And we take what happens to us personally and yeah. as a truth when it's not the truth. Yeah, exactly. We have to break those lies and and tell ourselves the real truth and find out what that is. Shedding lies. Right. So where can people find you? I'm I'm guessing shedding lies is everywhere. It's a, it's on Amazon right now. Um, I've been just came out of March, so I've been really pushing it on Amazon. Um, I'm doing lots of book signings and um, I'm work. I'm doing a, a resilience um, circle, monthly resilience circle. So they could go to my website, uh, katonalinconsulting.com, 
And uh, also, yes, you can find me on Amazon. And I'm also on social media, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Those are the main places that you can find me. And I've been doing lots of podcasts. I have lots of other podcasts as well that I've been posting on my website. And so, yeah, but I have a resilience, uh, resilient circle, a building resilient circle that, that is going to be starting uh, in September um, monthly that will be, will come together and we'll have kind of discussions on topics. So Beautiful. Yeah. We will put all those links in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. It was actually a really great conversation. And I really appreciate bringing to awareness this so that we can heal it and we can move forward. It's really, really important message that you're sharing. And thank you for the work that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could share this episode with someone you feel could benefit from its message. And subscribe to a Call for Love podcast to receive new weekly episodes every Tuesday. Head over to globalwellnesseducation.com to learn more.